Brave Moment is a space to be yourself, to reflect on the ordinary and extraordinary moments that are part of everyday life. I hope we can heal, laugh, share wisdom, and just be brave together. Welcome back. You are tuned into Brave Moment. You are with your girl, of course, Mali. And today I have a repeat guest, my beautiful friend, Slee. How you doing, girl? I'm great. I'm great, girl. I'm so happy to be here again. <laughs> girl, you don't sound great. You're just like, I'm great. Like, oh my God. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. So I'm, I'm really excited to be talking about this uh, topic. It's something, I mean, I think I personally relate to so, so much. And I've been speaking with people about it quite you know recently so okay before yeah. we dive in let's set the context for everybody who's listening um basically the conversation we're going to have today is about your inner voice um the voice that happens to be in your head whether you recognize it or don't recognize it uh the narrative that could either be or rather the dialogue that could be um very positive mm. and self assuring or it can be very detrimental to your progress mm. and hindering to who you are as an individual how do you navigate that um how do you also when you do recognize that you're having these moments where you're in self-dialogue kind of intersect and rewire the conversation in a healthy direction mm. so yeah tell me why this conversation is one that you've really been wanting to have what's been happening with you mm. So I really, I mean, I've had a few, um, several, I would say big events in my life. I mean, Mm. one is kind of, you know, in buying a home. One was, I think also last year in navigating a huge family issue, Mm. but it was something I think before that where in both and on both occasions, it was something I was bringing so much mentally before it ever happened. Yeah. And I think I was only reflecting afterwards in the aftermath of, oh my goodness, where, where on earth did my reflections about this actually take me? Yes. <laughs> I had a whole mental process before each thing that happened. And in some ways, I wish I had tapped into that a lot more mm-hmm. going into w- what happened. I wish I, I could have harnessed that a lot more. Um, because I think sometimes, you know, things can then happen to you as opposed to you participating in that. So it was, for me, it was, you know, in going into the family kind of issue, it was something that I was very much reflecting on after uh, the event. And, you know, and then in buying a home and actually Mm. realized how much it was meaning to me (laughs) to buy a home, to have a safe space, to, you know, emotionally it became much bigger than I anticipated it to be. Yeah. and I realized that I was having an entire inner process. And about conversation. It. Yeah, I definitely, definitely was. And it was impacting on the decisions that I was starting to make about where do I go with this and actually how I was regulating myself throughout the whole process. Wow. Okay. So when I think of like, thank you for sharing that. Um, when I think of like the inner voice, I always think like, First of all, I don't know if you guys do this, but sometimes when I'm alone, I'm speaking out loud. <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah. it doesn't end inside. Mm. It, you know, I'm by myself kind of talking myself through something or talking myself into something mm. or talking myself out of something. Because 
um, either of these scenarios can happen. Um, and so like when I think about like that internal conversation, for me, it always feels like a moment to like sense check. Like this, like this is mm. like, and it's so weird, right? Because you're talking to yourself, essentially. But there's always this like inner voice that has like, for me, I immediately, I'm super high alert as a human being. Yeah. I don't know what the, yeah. what the actual term is, but I'm so like high alert, um, which means I preempt danger in every scenario. Right. I suppose it's like hypervigilance. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Thank you for helping me find the word. And so like as an individual, whenever I get into, whether it's like uncomfortable situations with my friends or even my sister um, or even like, I don't know, like a partner, I mean, when I was dating, um, like, or a family member, it's always like, in my mind, you have this whole conversation about whatever the outcome is going to be. So you always predict the worst case scenario. So like, for instance, um, like, I think about like this really big transformation that I'm undergoing right now. And like, kind of speaking to my really close friends about Mm. it and in my mind i was already so ready for so much rejection right (laughs) and it's so crazy right because like why would you walk into a scenario with people that love you and that you love with that amount of rejection or like having perceived that that could take place Mm. but like because i'm so hyper vigilant my mind always goes to i need to be able to survive what's next no matter what happens and so I go straight to worst case. Never mind that it could be the complete opposite. Like, <laughs> yeah. I never think of, even if it's like something potentially good for me. Yeah. I'm always looking for like the worst case. And it's something that I'm really trying to like heal in me. Um, and I suppose it's like, I mean, I've spoken about this before. So it's all linked to like the degrees of safety that I have had um, infringed upon in my life. Right. Mm. So it's like physical safety, emotional safety, all of that stuff. Um, so psychological safety. So I have a lot of work to do for myself mm. in like recreating a safe space for me um, before I can feel safe with other people. Yeah. So like yeah. my internal dialogue is a little bit like, girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, mean, I need help. Yeah. I mean, that's such a good point that you make as well, because I think uh, for a lot of us, it can be hard to actually understand, acknowledge, bring to awareness what the nature of that internal dialogue is. Yeah. What is actually going on with this inner voice that I have that, that kind of narrates my life. Firstly, I mean, for, for, you know, I, I think a lot of people don't realize that we, we have, we are doing it. Yes. That we are doing it. You're doing this thing of talking to yourself all the time. You talk to yourself a lot more than other people are talking to you. That's actually so true all the time. And it just takes, I think this is where things, you know, disciplines like meditation, like mindfulness come in very handy because all it does is it brings to awareness the fact that you have an internal voice Mm. and it is constantly narrating your life. It is constantly giving you feedback on how you're doing. It's constantly telling you what's going to happen in your future, whether it's true or not. I was actually going to ask that, but I want you to finish your (laughs) thoughts before I jump in and ask that question I'm trying to ask. Yeah, so this is something that we are doing automatically. And for the most part, I mean, it's a passive thing. It's happening 
very much internally it sounds i mean it's more like a thought process right yes um and usually we 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 attribute we attribute it to we say this is a normal process that goes on in every human being's head Mm -hmm. if it so happens that you hear voices outside of your head i mean now this is where we start to say (laughs) start asking questions about sanity (laughs) about reality testing how much are you in touch with reality and that's where now different diagnoses come come in but we assume that everybody does have an internal voice and it's fairly normal if they talk about it, if they talk about what is happening in the internal process and how it's guiding them. It's the only time we ever question that is if um, someone says, okay, I'm hearing a voice outside of my head. Or maybe even if we see, if we do it ourselves or if mm. we see someone else almost having the conversation out loud, like you walk in the street and you're mumbling to yourself like, hey, I mean, girl, isn't that the same thing with me talking to myself <laughs> what, in my kitchen? You know, the difference... <laughs> The thing is, the difference is so small. That's why I'm like, oh, girl. The difference is so small. What's that line of, of sanity, of, and I mean clinical sanity and insanity, yeah. um, it's very, very small. But honestly, um, I think just the awareness of having an internal voice of sorts is so, so critically important for us. Yeah. And thinking about even when do you start to recognize that that voice exists? So does it only occur to you when it, things are quiet does it only occur to you when you're just about to fall asleep when mm, outside of the hustle and bustle. yeah yeah when do you actually register that i have this internal voice and it's guiding so much of what's going on in my life every day do you think that like some people i mean i have i have a few questions you mentioned something else before but i, I want to ask this one because it's the most off the bat one do you think that people recognize when they fall asleep that they have the internal voice that's guiding mm. them do you think that's really a thing like or do you think some people just brush it off to an overactive like mind and like yeah you know what i mean yeah you know i think it depends some you, you, you know some people really really avoid actually um the i think the recognition of that voice and that voice coming out when they mm. go to sleep because i mean think about what what it is that you what do you do when you are about to fall asleep are you the sort of person who listens to music do you try and have ambient noise to you know to soothe you, to, to soothe you and, mm-hmm. and, and and put you to sleep some people will watch tv until they're they're at the point of falling asleep and then they will you know rush to bed and basically yeah. pass out but i think that is a critical time it can be a critical time in um in in our lives in in our everyday lives um, but I do think there's something quite important about that point just before, you know, you fall asleep or when things are really, really quiet. Mm-hmm. And the question even of how able, how much capacity do you have to handle silence in your everyday life? Yeah. How much, how much time do you spend in yeah, silence? Are you playing music all the time? Like even when you're driving, are you the sort of person that needs, I mean, it's, it's fine. It's not like it's an abnormal thing, but you might be the sort of person who needs noise all the time because you're trying to actually drown out do you this know, voice. Yeah. You know, actually you're saying this and I, 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 I was reflecting on something not too far from this during the week without realizing it with my inner voice. Thank mm. you for helping me. Like, <laughs> You've actually helped me like find the language for something that I do that I have struggled to like put the language like, you know, because I've, I've done therapy. I know how to journal, but like it's almost like 
that process, I no longer necessarily need to sit with the book anymore. Mm. It happens with me. And I suppose with the help of the inner voice. So thank you for that. But I was thinking about this as I'm like kind of processing this transition. And I'm thinking about a lot of various things. And I made a very interesting observation about myself over the last three months. Mm. I actually spend a lot of time in silence. Like I would wake up, log in, like I wake up, kind of do my morning routine, like pray, make a coffee, you know, kind of center myself before my workday would start. Yeah. And then I wouldn't put the TV on as background noise, even if I didn't have meetings, yeah. right? Yeah. And I actually only realized that when I, like my sister would come visit and then she would literally like put the TV on or something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh wow, actually I'm spending so much more time in complete silence. Yeah. Um, so like, even if I'm like supposed to be like, say like I'm, I'm taking a break from like work and I'm like having a coffee. I've actually like found myself in longer times of silence. Mm. And as I was reflecting on that, I was like, I actually think what I needed and what I, I think I didn't even like, it didn't necessarily come to the conscious is that I actually needed like, Mm. you know, to listen to myself. (laughs) I don't know, (laughs) like to listen to myself and not to have interference because everything is so busy with the social media because we spend a lot of time on social media myself included Mm. um and just like consistent communication and like even i suppose in like to some degree in my relationships with others i've really not pulled back because i'm like isolated to myself but i've pulled back from using them as a crutch and a distraction from actually listening to hey what's happening with you checking in with myself Mm. right um and yeah, and so it's just so interesting that you're talking about that because I just realized that, like, my silence period, literally I can spend half the day in silence yeah. completely. Like, like I'm in silence. Um, I'm not bothered by, like, music or anything, um, you know? And then I have times where I'm, like, I'm at the gym, so I'll have a podcast playing. And I suppose maybe just because I'm so in tune with myself that I'm, like, trying to consume information that is also helping me expand and Mm, grow mm. and i suppose heal in certain ways like i think sometimes what our inner voice does it also works hand in hand with what our body needs Mm. because like sometimes i think i was saying this to my sister like a week ago we're having a conversation about like indicators like indicators that your body gives you Mm -hmm. when you're not feeling well or even when you're having a stressful conversation and so I was saying to her, oh, my God, I sweat. Like, that's my indicator. I know, yeah. like, okay, I'm in an uncomfortable conversation now. Even if it didn't feel like I didn't have the, you know, pulsing hearts or, like, you know, racing heart yeah. and all these other things. But I literally start sweating. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is clearly an uncomfortable conversation. Yeah. My nervous system is kind of, like, shaky here. And I'm having it. And so just, like, recognizing that, I think, has also decreased the amount of, like, I want to say sweat, <laughs> but like it's, it's decreased the response. Mm, yeah. Right. Because I'm sitting in it and I'm not running away from it. So like the more you sit in it and I suppose like, I think inner voice and your physical body kind of have to work hand in hand. Yes. You know, like it just, yeah, there's no other way to put it. Like it has to work hand in hand for you to get to the solution that you're looking for. Cause that's what it is. Right. When you're talking to yourself or having a conversation with your inner voice, mm-hmm. you're looking for a solution to a dilemma that you are faced with. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's it's fantastic that you're highlighting something that, that that's so important. I think there's very few of us, if I'm being honest, that can spend that much time in silence with mm. ourselves. Um, it's something that, for the most part, we try and avoid. If you know, and this this is something I would encourage people to think about: is how much time do you actually spend listening? what is going on in your in your own head and understanding the nature of what that is so do you i mean the, 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 and the amount of time I mean, it's it's so it's it can be second nature you just jump into your car hey the music is on mm. or the radio is on the news you know, is playing yeah the news is playing even Landela when you get home exactly <laughs> you get home and here you are hey what's what's the what's the latest on this saga that's on social media that's trending you know mm. and so it's very, very easy to fall into that rather than actually pulling back and starting to think a lot more on, okay, have I checked in with myself today? Have I found out what is actually going on? What is the nature of my thoughts? What is the content that is, that is there? Mm. And it, even evaluating it of like, you know, is this fair? Is this actually, is this rational even? Yeah. Um, does this stuff belong there? Am I, am I lingering on things that don't, that, that don't play any important role yeah. in my life? So I think it's really, really great. And I mean, it's probably indicative of the place that you're at in your life. And it will vary with each of us as we are in different stages of our lives, how much we can actually sit with ourselves. Yeah, Yeah, how much we can sit with ourselves. But for the most part, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. It is a thing that we struggle with as human beings. And I think it can work for us. And how much time we spend with ourselves and against us. There is such a thing as spending too much time in that silence or in your thought life listening to this inner voice that brings unnecessary suffering okay say more so i mean i do you know we have infinite capacity as people i think to bring about a sort of a certain state of being yes okay for ourselves i think i think we can evaluate things that happen in our lives of course as human beings we live in a world where there is there are things that happen and you know there there, there is certain capacity that we have to feel suffering we can feel loss we can experience pain you know stress in our jobs we can feel joy when things happen Mm. and you know amazing fulfilling things meaningful things are happening in our lives but i do think that we also have this amazing and infinite capacity to bring about suffering for ourselves when we overthink things that don't belong in our lives give us an example i mean like I'm sitting here and I'm having this conversation and I'm like, my mind is now rummaging and I'm like, oh my God, like where am I giving myself infinite suffering? Because, <laughs> you know, I'm an overthinker of not necessary suffering. <laughs> so I'm just trying to catch myself, yeah. child. Like I don't need no more suffering than what I got going on. Yeah. Um, so like, what is an example, um, you know, of like what that could potentially be before you answer yeah. for the context of people who are listening um, Slee is actually a registered psychologist, so some of this insight is her tapping into her like work experience, but also we're just obviously chatting as friends together. But like, just so that you guys know, you got you know, you got a psychologist <laughs> on the line. Yeah, so I think that um, where it can become unnecessary, you know, is and 
look, I say unnecessary suffering on purpose because I do think that there is a natural kind of suffering that will happen for all of us, whether it is experiencing the loss of a person who is in our lives. That happens. It's natural. Mm-hmm. And the course of processing that is, it may be unique to each and every one of us, but it is a normal process. It's not unique to you as yeah. an individual. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a human element to coming to encounter suffering and coming to encounter yes. what it brings into one's life. And I think even how it can, how it can make one, you know, how it can shrink your capacity in certain ways, but also how it can expand you yeah. in others. So I think that where there's unnecessary suffering is when you think and overthink. I've seen this. So now where I think an example of this, sometimes, unfortunately, I will say uh, emotionally intelligent people or people also who are intellectuals, you can think and overthink. Yeah, yeah. You can over. Unfortunately for you, you can over specialize in this this field of thinking where you take yourself to a place where you you start to kind of wonder what if, what if, what if for things that you don't need to think about. So I think where you start to catastrophize about situations, for example, of what could go wrong. And you can think of every single way that a situation can go wrong. Girl. Work, career, socially with friends, with family, with your partner. And you start to go to every single level that this thing can go wrong. So let me tell you something. Okay. You're talking to me now. Okay, okay. I don't think so. I think I have this like... Actually, I don't have it. I had it because you know what? Power of life and death lies in the tongue. Mm. I had this thing of catastrophizing work. Mm-hmm. Especially. Right? And so like... And this is, I think, going to be a very good example of like my inner dialogue with myself around work. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you guys a little bit of a story of like what happened to me when I was 23, I think. 2324. So I relocated from Cape Town to Johannesburg. And literally, I mean, I studied psychology and so, so I studied psychology and social development, graduated. Kind of like, you know, when a typical graduate story, I didn't go into a graduate program. My kind of career or like working journey has been very different from like a lot of people that I do know. Mm. And um, so when I graduated, and like, so before I was waiting to graduate, I was obviously still in Cape Town. I finished in June and my graduation was in December and it didn't make sense for me to like pack up and go back to Durban. Yeah. So I obviously looked for a job here. I got a job with like this very small media house, which was really exciting for me because I'm a super creative person. Um, Lord knows how I ended up in the career I did. Actually, I do know. I wasn't listening to myself. <laughs> I wasn't listening to myself. <laughs> I was just trying to pay the bills. Yeah. Um, and I've always been super creative and I think now I'm stepping into the, the space where I'm allowing myself to be. Um, so I, media house is exciting. Like I'm part of like presenting, like part of like creating and presenting pictures to brand. Yeah. So this is like really like exciting. Like I'm like a sponge soaking up, right? Mm -hmm. The problem is being a sponge soaking up as somebody who's come out of varsity and varsity for me was particularly difficult. Mm Um, I'm like kind of studying with like the smartest of the smartest, um, you know, struggling a little bit to grasp certain concepts and not understanding why I've also never really struggled with school. I'm kind of like, I've always kind of been like the lazy, excellent girl. Like, you know, 
I don't really need to put effort. The thing I really loved doing was sports. Yeah. You know, so like I would put so much effort into sports. School was just like kind of a means to get to the sports. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so <laughs> girl was like, it's not that deep. I mean, I'm still going to get the good marks, like whatever. Yeah. Um, and so like now university was a very difficult period. And, um, and I think like also within university, having lost my brother in that time was also very difficult for me. Mm. Um, so I, I, I finish, I start working for this media house. It's great. Now going back to being a sponge, the thing about being a sponge and being open to learning and growing and which like, that's the one quality I'm so grateful for that all of the unfortunate experiences I've had has not taken away from me. Mm. I've just learned how to filter which voice deserves to have input into who I become and what I onboard as an individual, right? Whereas when you're younger, I don't think you have that. And so I'm like sitting with this woman who I think she's so awesome. She's so creative. She's running her own business. Like, you know what I mean? Like she's got a house, she's got a kid, you know, she's married, you know, it's looking like vibes. And I'm like, what, 23 at Mm. this point. So then I get my first batch of like feedback where this girl, well, woman because i mean she was a lot older than me um she says to me um i'm very arrogant and i feel like and look at the time i was very shocked and surprised by that but i also then reflected and realized that it was actually my confidence that she couldn't understand she couldn't understand why i had this confidence yeah and why i had this self-belief and like you know, it took quite a few years for people to break that part of me where I had a, a self-belief that I can walk into any industry and anything and do it. Like, mm. because I am the magic source, mm. not what I'm doing, <laughs> right? Everything is figureoutable. You can learn it. Yeah. And so that's the narrative I had when I was early 20s, like super ambitious, super clear on if I'm there and I trust myself and I can do this. Cool. Then that doesn't work out. It becomes a bit of a shit show. I then start working for like a solar energy company. It's great. People are lovely, but it's yeah. super safe, obviously, right? It's like I'm in like a EA role, also pretty new to me. And I'm just like trying to figure out what that's all about. I do a lot of HRE things, mm. recruitment stuff, bits and pieces, right? Travel a little bit in, you know, the, in different provinces, which was actually exciting for yeah. a 23-year-old. Then I get this opportunity to move to Johannesburg. So I started freelancing with another small company. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't mention any names, of course. And it happened to be my friend's mother's company. Mm-hmm. So already there's an element of trust, right? As much as she trusted me to put my name forward for this, there's an element of trust there to be like, um, I need to obviously show up. And so in a dialogue, is like, cool, if you're a friend. So my thing is this. If my friend refers me to anything or my friend trusts me with anything, I serve them far greater than I would ever serve a stranger. Yeah, yeah. Like, I have such, like, there's this level of, like, I have to, this is somebody that I know and love who is believing in me mm-hmm. and believing in my potential or my vision and my dream. So I literally, I mean, not to say that I don't serve, like, others excellently, but I take the the utmost care when I deal with somebody that I love mm-hmm. or if I'm being referred to by somebody that I know, right? Um, because, you know, I, I feel like that's just gold. That's their name um, and it's my name. So you need to just treat it all with respect. Mm-hmm. Okay. Awesome stuff. This is great. I, I'm freelancing for them. It's amazing. I'm like shooting out the lights. 
homegirl decides, let me quit my main job and go and work for these people full time. Right. Yeah, okay. Nasa zeskaka. Before I even knew, into two iskaka ngo siam. Hey, boo. Hey, I relocate. Hear me now. And in the beginning, everything seems soft landing. Like my stuff is being shipped to Joburg. They're fetching my stuff for me, taking me, taking it to my apartment. Yeah. It's very much like we will even fetch you from the airport, take it. You know what I mean? Like soft landings. Like we're facilitating things it's that great. any other company wouldn't necessarily, right? And yeah. it's also very personal. Like it's not like somebody, they're hiring somebody. It's somebody who works in the company who's coming to do these things on my behalf and with me and all of that stuff. And so it all starts super amazing. Within like 60 days, I had lost my job. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 60 days. Money. 60 days of relocation, I had lost my job. <laughs> and in this process, the first 30 days were fine. The next 30 days, things started getting shaky. My salary is not coming in on time. It's like wow. coming in on like the 10th of the month. Yeah. But also there's no communication. So all of my debits are running and I'm incurring all these costs. But no one's actually communicating. Um, and on top of that, there was just a lot of bullying, like a lot of like deterioration of like who I am, Mm -hmm. like, you know, you know, being called useless and, you know, you know, um, maybe then we should go back to paying you a freelance rate after I have quit my job Mm -hmm. and relocated for you after you have asked me to do these things. Right. Fine. It kind of really sent me into a very big spiral. And so I guess that kind of created the breeding ground of how I would have the internal dialogue with myself Mm -hmm. around work. Mm -hmm. Because that for me, and now that I'm older, I suppose I can see it very differently. But in the time that I was in it, it really just said to me, you're a failure. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I mean, I remember that time I was like 24 now. Um, I'm, I like go home, I'm looking for a car, I'm about to buy my car. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like literally like super excited. My mom's like taking me test driving. I'm like literally feeling like, okay, cool. Things are starting to like stabilize for me. Yeah. And then this yeah. kind of happens. And then it kind of sent me into the great depression. Sure. Um, but then what that did then is that it really altered the conversation I was having with myself in relation to work. So then my dialogue with that became very toxic Mm -hmm. so it was always like you're a failure you're not doing enough and any feedback because now remember there was this media house company now there's this other um group i won't call the names obviously Mm -hmm. there's this group that deals with property and different endeavors it's a group and i'm getting feedback that's like i'm useless and i'm like wait first i'm being told i'm arrogant and i'm like i have too much confidence i need to dial it back then I'm being told I'm useless. So like now it's like obviously in your mind you're thinking, hold up. Yeah. You mean Yeah, what's going on? <laughs> no, like you know? Yeah. And it was so bad because it obviously came from somebody who was my friend's mother. So for me it was like a trusted source which also yes. created a level of shame that I couldn't even tell my friend because what if I she's right? I am being useless. What if I'm not doing anything right? Like what if I'm literally junk? Yeah. In this situation, I didn't yeah. know that. I, I I had no way of verifying what she was saying, and I was just absorbing everything. Yeah, yeah. And then that's kind of where that inner voice began with me and work. Yeah. Even after I found my groove eventually and started working in recruitment, and you know, kind of 
decided to build that career because I was kind of left destitute. Yeah. And like, you know, unemployed. And that was the easiest career option to take at that point. Um, easiest is relative. That's a very difficult career. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. It's a very difficult career. Um, but it was the, I guess, easiest to tap into given my skills. Mm-hmm. And even when I was excellent, the voice inside of me was always, you're not good enough. Mm-hmm. You could be doing better. You should be working harder. You're missing something. Yeah. You didn't do enough. Like there was always this really super critical voice that was like, I almost have to beat myself up before anyone else comes and does it. Yes. Because before yes. I left the gate open for somebody else to come in and do it. Mm-hmm. So like when you're talking about how like you can be super like when you, you're saying like the voice can get to like a point where you're inducing your own suffering. I think I actually was at that point. Yeah. <laughs> I really was. Like, Cause yeah. I literally, I swear to God from the age of 24, I ride up until the age of 31. Every single day of my life working, I always felt terrified that I'm going to lose my job. Wow, sure. And that's a very long time. Mali, that's, that's very long. And you know, the thing is, I mean, what you're also highlighting, as you were speaking, I was actually thinking about, wow, what so stands out to me here is, it's almost as though, you know, the voice in, in, in your head, I think what it serves to do in certain circumstances is that it will be the confirmation yeah. of what you are already believing. That you're, that's so true. So when, you, you know, the funny thing is people can say anything they want to say. You know, people can sound very, very absurd to you when you don't believe anything. Mm. They can sound absurd. You know, someone can come to you and be like, you are a terrible individual. And you think, oh, that's a, what, what a, what a, a bunch of hogwash. What a, <laughs> well, you know, what a hogwash. What a terrible thing to say. You know, that person clearly has no insight. They don't understand anything about me or this situation. And it's, it can be relatively easy to dismiss. But what you were really highlighting there, and I think your experience, what was standing out to me so much about it, was the fact that, you know, how over time things that are already happening within you can serve as confirmation. Yeah. And how, you know, people who are there externally. So it's like there's, there's this relationship between the in- internal and the external mm. and how what's already happening with you inwardly. Yeah. Um, as monologue, as dialogue can serve as confirmation you know, about what people are already thinking or saying or perceiving mm. um, outwardly. And so it's, it becomes, I think it becomes that much more important what's actually going on in your head because that will dismiss it or that will confirm it. I you know, agree. That's, yeah. and in fact, I think what happens inwardly is primary. Yeah. I, I, I don't think what people say is, is primary. I don't believe that. I don't mm. believe that. It uh, can't be because they're just observers, it right? Cannot. And they're observers of a selected amount of information. Yeah. Because they don't have the full story. They'll never have the full story. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, so I do think that this, the, the, that even highlights the importance um, of this inward voice from, you know, the, whether we acknowledge it or not, that it's, a, it's very active mm. and is kind of critical to a belief system that already exists. And whether you're aware of it or not, 
what other people say or what other people do can serve as confirmation um, of what you already believe. I, I think that it has to be, you know, if, if something's going to be confirmed, it has to really sound familiar to you. Nobody can come to you and say you're not good enough and uh, and you, you know, believe it if, yeah. if it's something that's not there already. And you know what the really ludicrous thing about this whole situation is like I literally was raised with like the most amazing encouragement right isn't that funny this is actually the most ludicrous <laughs> thing right so like i can tell you and this is actually why i was like so now like I, when i spend time reflecting and obviously because for me it's like there's a future life that i want to live that is free from all the debris mm. of like the fires that i've sure. had to live through yeah so like this is why i'm so intact and in tune with it it's because i understand that there are things that I may not have, that may not have risen to my conscious that are affecting how I respond to society right mm. now. I'm really in tune with that. And for me, and, and like, I mean, some people may think that, oh my God, that's a bit like you, you spend too much time kind of tapping into that sphere. Mm. But for me, because of my genetic makeup, my spirituality, who I am mm. and what I'm called to do in this world it is essential to my lifeline, like to my life, like, you know, to my being yeah. that I do this work for myself. Um, because I do believe that my role here is called to help others see themselves as they are mm -hmm. and to heal the parts of themselves that they feel um, ashamed of and they feel like they need to hide, you know. And if I can do that for one person, then I've kind of corrected. Well, I've not corrected, but I've lived, I've fulfilled my life. Mm, if yeah. somebody can feel loved fully by me yeah before they even reach whatever point they feel they've healed then for me i'm like okay cool i'm good yeah. right yeah and so i do spend a lot of time like reflecting and i think like the interesting thing about this whole that whole experience which actually really wrecked me i mean if i'm telling you that for like how old was that? 24 to 31? How many years is that? <laughs> God, like, <laughs> like seven, seven years. Like seven, eight years. Yeah, seven yeah. years. Fundamentally, every time I had a meeting with the boss, whether it was a scheduled meeting or not, I had anxiety because, like, in my mind, I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm going to get fired. Yeah. I can't even explain to you how crazy it was to live in that kind of wow. cycle. Like, my, when I say I need to heal my nervous system, <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> yeah. I'm so serious. Like, I was literally strung on anxiety on every day. Like, mm. imagine logging in at work, killing yourself. You're logging in at 6 a.m. and you're logging out at 12 midnight, you know? And also, mm. above it all, you're getting all the great, like, feedback. Like, you're excellent, you're a superstar, your, your, your reviews are great, yeah. but you just can't believe it, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. So, like, I think as you're speaking, I think maybe this is the gift of having these conversations that I got the revelation right now is that you were saying there must have been something that was affirming. So, that means some part of me believed it. Mm. And now I realized as you're speaking is that I had an incident in varsity during the period where um, my brother had died and I just really was struggling. Mm. Like, I was really just, like, not coping to stay afloat, like, and actually, even before that, I won't even lie. I think, like, I went through my first boy heartbreak and I kind of recluded mm. and, like, didn't attend class, was super angry and just nothing w was conducive to me studying, right? My mom flew in because mm. she literally was just like, I've never experienced what I'm seeing. Yeah. She flew in for a few days to spend with me um, because I literally was unraveling, right? 
And I think all these these small things, not small things, but these significant life events that aren't necessarily addressed are all intertwined. And I don't want to diminish one with the other. But I actually realized, like, for me, why my first heartbreaker was so hectic is because my dad died when I was mm, 10. Yeah. And that was wow. never talked about. So it was like a thing that happened and everyone just moved on. Like, when I say to you, never. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. It was the craziest experience of my life. Mm. And even till this day, it was so shocking for me when two years ago, somebody that I know asked me about my dad. And I said to him, no one's ever asked me about him. Wow. They've asked what happened yeah. to him. Yeah. But not about him. And that's like, I'm 30 at this point. The first time I'm ever having a conversation about my father, a man that I loved greatly my whole life, since 20 years at that point it was 20 years since he had died no one had ever dare mention his name it was like this taboo thing it was so crazy mm, sure. so then i realized like i suppose like because of the reflection and connecting some of the dots i don't think i have it all figured out at this point but then i realized like after that first heartbreak i just didn't know how to function with heartbreak mm-hmm. because what i had done previously with my dad dad was just kind of like really dive into school and just be really excellent and just like be a, an a like a dope sportswoman and I was and that's just was kind of like my coping pumping my body full of endorphins and not really ever facing anything right because talking about things it took me a really long time to learn how to be vulnerable and talk about things to be very honest um and because I like to talk people just always assume that I did but I actually never really got vulnerable and open Mm. um and then I guess in varsity, I got more comfortable in like with certain people just kind of opening up a bit more. And then that happened, which I think was kind of like the first crack in me, like figuring out because and this is also happening whilst I'm going into a new stream, which means I don't know anyone who's in this class. I'm the new girl. No one actually was kind to mm. me. I was very like kind of ostracized. And I don't think anyone really saw it that way, right? Because I'm very resilient. Mm. And I, I always carry myself with pride. Yeah. So no one, like, no one ever spoke to me in class. Like, I was very isolated. But because classes are classes, I'd go out and find my friends outside of classes. I never really kind of communicated about what that impact means when you struggle to even find a person to do classwork with mm-hmm. because nobody wants to speak to you. Which was very weird because, like, nobody knew me. But they had a preconceived notion mm-hmm. about me, you know? And so, like, all of that's happening simultaneously, and then you're failing a class, and then the feedback you're getting from your teachers is also super negative, without context of what's happening in your life, you know, then my brother dies, and then it's just like, all of these things are happening within a year of each other. So it's all just like, a bit too much for my system as a 19-year-old mm-hmm. to handle, you know? And so I think, like, when you were speaking, I just kind of made the connection for real. I was like, oh, the actual first time is that it landed. I didn't know it actually sowed its roots or the, the, you know, the seed was planted was when I was in varsity. Yeah. You know, because, like, I remember varsity being so awful to me and, like, being really difficult for me. But, like, you know, I think I never really reflected on, like, the moments where certain teachers would actually outright tell me I need to stop wasting my parents' money because I'm going to fail wow. and drop out. Sure. You know? And so so then yes, you're right. There was definitely a pre existing I just didn't know it until right now. Yeah. So because <laughs> then how could this human, you know, 
like subject me how could cynthia subject me to such a horrific situation yeah. if something wasn't already a, there wasn't a precedence so exactly. i guess thank you for that like i mean now okay cool okay yeah and you know that's that's such an important observation too the fact that I, you know i think we can take it for granted if we've grown up in these environments that feel fairly safe if, you know secure and you you look back on it and you think oh you know i know that i've had uh people who believed in me it doesn't it, it doesn't need to be perfect but i had people who believed in me i had individuals who loved and affirmed me it can be very d- difficult to make the connections to say okay now where does this come from this thing that i'm experiencing here in this moment um <laughs> where is it coming from and maybe you can even overly attribute certain things to yourself to sort of say like oh you know i need to get it together i need to snap out of this that's exactly what i did that i'm having you know and you don't realize that there also have been seeds that have been sown Mm. for this moment to come about and for it to feel real and visceral and as powerful as it does um but even that slowing down i think the first thing always is do you even have an awareness of what is happening internally? Do you even have an awareness of the conversation you are having with yourself? That actually was going to be the question before I went into my little story time. Um, was that like, you know, okay, so I guess I've been gifted with the intuitive nature, the ability to self-reflect. And then obviously having studied psychology, it mm-hmm. only enhanced what it was already naturally, I guess, a God-given thing that I've always had. And so it's helped me really understand human behavior and understand people. Mm. I'm now like, yo, somebody out here is listening and they're like, what the hell? How do I recognize? <laughs> what you talking about? How? That sounds like a lot of work, yes. girl. <laughs> You're asking me to work. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. You know? So like, for people who... You know what I mean? Like, I think like a lot of, a lot of how it will, I guess, socialize, let me say that in life is that we need to be very pragmatic about things. And we were Mm -hmm. speaking about this earlier before we recorded is like, that's, that's the way. And I think that's the easiest way because that's something you can control, measure Mm. and emotions you can't measure or control. Mm -hmm. It's just wild, wild (laughs) west. (laughs) Yeah. And so a lot of people will obviously very much shy away from that. Mm. So I think my question to you, in your professional capacity, and maybe you can share in your personal capacity, like what is the way for you to be able to build that sense of being aware of your inner voice and your inner dialogue, you know? Yes, yeah. So I, I, I definitely think, I mean, there are a lot of things that you can do to bring to your conscious awareness what is actually happening with you on a deeper level. Mm. Um, and in fact, in fact, the great thing about this is you can do that consciously. This is something that is within your control. Some of the other stuff might not be. I mean, the, 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 you know, there's other thoughts that kind of bubble up to the surface might not be within your control. But you can actually start to do and exercise things have a practice of 
I think, slowing down so mm. that you can see what is it that's coming to the surface. Mm. So one of the things I think, I mean, Eckhart Tolle also speaks about this. Um, when oh, good he, old Eckhart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when he touches on mindfulness. I mean, I love how he talks about mindfulness and, you know, the, the that relationship between what is internal and external. Mm. And one of the things that he talks about is how, the internal is a direct kind of reflection. I think it's it, the way that he puts it um, is that it's sort of equivalent, you know, that, that the, the equivalent external noise um, is the, in, is the is reflection, of your, reflection of your internal noise. And yeah. it's, it's, it's the same with the silence, you know, it's like the internal silence is equivalent to the, what's externally happening okay hold on we gotta play it back you know, <laughs> you know how i like to play back some moments where i'm like we gotta hear that again yeah so yeah. he says that the external noise is the equivalence of your internal noise yeah he says it's the external noise is actually the equivalent of your inner noise or thinking oh wow so you so it's this thing of you know you need to be aware of your thoughts and recognize sometimes like some some of our some of our thinking is noise and that's true it's like it's you, loud you some of it you some of it is loud some of it it's busy some of it is actually irrelevant also yeah irrelevant irrelevant it's traffic it's traffic <laughs> so what i love about what he says is and actually what i've come to kind of personalize for myself is that you can take control of this process mm. so you know when you do things like mindfulness for instance and mindfulness is this practice of slowing down your thinking and getting to a point of awareness of what's going on so it's like you almost want to take that moment and harness that moment just before you sleep and there's something that happens in your mind you can be aware of your thoughts and you kind of want to expand that mm. and not make it one minute you you want to expand that and mm. so you can do it during the day mm. that if you, you know, um, or even when you've come back from work and you, you come home and it's not, you don't immediately get engaged in something else. You sit for a little bit decompress. and engage, decompress, absolutely. And see what is going on in your mind. So you sit sometimes in silence mm. and you just pay attention to what is the content of my thoughts, and my, my thought day. life and my day. So what is the content of my thought life at this point in time? You know, are my preoccupations about money? Is it about my relationships? Mm. Is it about my family, my kids? And is also the evaluation of it. You know, sometimes you think, is this even fair that I have this way of thinking about what's going on? Is it proportional or, to or, the situation? Or even requirement of self? Because sometimes hey. we have ex like extenuating hey. requirements of self. <laughs> We have this far-reaching expectations Lord, for ourselves, for ourselves, mm. you know. And even sometimes we can have unreasonable expectations. I think as well of other people. Mm. And so, often, often, I will say, often we don't quiet the noise around us enough. We don't, you know. You come home and immediately you jump on Instagram or whatever other. You jump on social media. Let me say that. You jump on social media or you open the news and you find out what compelling story is there for you to latch onto. And you haven't even paid attention to what is going on in my thought life today. What has consumed me? 
mm. what things are taking up my time unnecessarily what are, what things are taking up space in my head and also things that like because the things with they're taking up space in your head right you know that they're going to trigger a certain behavior yeah so like then you're irritable oh that now yes so like yeah and i actually think like as you were speaking i just kept having this vision of somebody who comes back from work mm. and like i know everybody knows this moment when they switch off the car engine and they just sit in the car oh my what goodness <laughs> <laughs> before you gather your things and get out of the car yeah. and you just have like and some people will not leave it at just a moment and they'll just literally find themselves sitting for 20 minutes mm. some people obviously being on socials and you know but like there is that element where i know a lot of people have tweeted about it and spoken about it the way it's like that moment when you get to gather yourself in your car because it's like just because obviously you live in, in communion with others. So like maybe you're going to go back and say Kaya or maybe you're going to go back and there's a partner, your husband or your wife or kids, you know, and there's just something always demanding something mm. of you. And so you're just almost stealing that moment for yourself. And you're just yeah. like, like, you know. Yeah. And I actually yeah. do think without people realizing it, that that moment is their moment of silence. And that moment is them actually tapping into their inner voice. They just don't have more space or they're not ready or willing yeah. to create more space to continue that dialogue with themselves yeah yeah and that's what i would i mean i would seriously i would really encourage people to do this more to say you know don't wait for the moment just before you fall asleep and for some people i mean it's just like even before you fall asleep you're on your phone you're not mm. actually in the stillness and the quiet of oh, okay what is happening mm. Whew, in my mind how do i decompress how do mm. i become more accepting of where i am at this mm. point in time and even when you're sitting in your car that you don't let the hustle and bustle of your everyday life take over and you can sit with yourself and sort of have a moment and say, okay, who are you okay? You know, to actually, to ask yourself, you don't wait even for someone else to ask you. Who's booze? Who's booze? Are you okay? Ushap na. And if make some notes, you know, be this person that becomes so active that you, you know, your thought life is not something that's sneaking upon you. Yeah, like and you, it's haunting not a, you. You're not a bystander in your life. Yes. Your thought life mustn't, you know, this inner voice mustn't haunt you as a feeling that comes to you yeah, and, and then. And it's attacking you. Yes, and it attacks you because that can happen too. And it does. That can happen too. You'll find that your inner voice has been speaking to you from January and you, in December, you'll hear it because now it's coming so across a panic attack. So we melt melt down. Now, this is, this is the situation we're yeah. dealing with. So. I really would love for that thing of if, you know, it's us just uh, taking the time, mm. taking the moments, stealing the moments to be aware and slowing down. Okay. So tell us now, I mean, you've given us examples, but tell us now, like, how do you practically do it for mm. yourself? Like, how, how are your moments? So, like, there's obviously Slee, the psychologist yeah. who's trained and, you know, but there's also a person. You, you are not what you do, mm. right? I'm a firm believer in that. And I know a lot of people find their identity in what they do. And I can say that because I also used to be very intertwined with my self-worth and my work. Mm -hmm. And I'm doing the work to undo that whole thing. Um, but 
you are not your work. So mm-hmm. how do you, as a person, like, how do you do it for yourself? Like, how do you listen to yourself? You know, how do your internal dialogues go? Mm-hmm. We are balega in now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we already talked about therapy and how, like, sometimes you can run away. But that's yeah. obviously in engaging with, like, conversation with another human being. And you can't run away from therapy. You yeah. can't run away from yourself, child. Like, yeah. you can't. Like, you are stuck with you. <laughs> so, how do you do it? Yeah. I mean, what for one, I will say that I definitely, I mean, I'm still very, very much in a therapy process myself. I attend That's therapy. Good. And, I mean, it's a choice, you know, for me. It's not something that I have to do to fulfill any requirement at this good. point. But I do it because I know and I see the insights that come from that process. So it's incredible and I love it. And it's painful at times. Woo. Oh, yeah, we know that. Oh, it's painful at times. <laughs> we say. know that. <laughs> Therapy so, is a... Yeah, so that is something that I do. I will also... I mean, I love that uh, a couple of months ago, you had bought me a journal. And so this is something that I like to... In fact, I keep it in my... Um, I have a work bag and I sort of put and I slip everything in. So I keep it with me whenever I, even if I go into work, I know that it's there and it's available. And if there's a thought that crosses my mind, I write in it. But what I also do is that I have moments when I wake up in the middle of the night Mm. and I, you know, and I I don't always have perfect sleep. Sometimes I do um, have thoughts, you know, it may be about my patients. If I'm being honest, it may be about things that I'm working through and trying to um, solve problems Mm. or, you know, help people think through certain things. So I do wake up and it does keep me occupied sometimes at night. So I will might write some thoughts down about that but sometimes and much more often it is about myself and it's about what I'm going through or dreams that I've had and I will wake up and I will write something down about that um one thing that I do very regularly that I've become very proud of is Mm. I schedule time to be off Oh and wow. yeah, and I mean now it's like I it's, I used to feel very guilty about it, but I schedule time to have a massage, hundred percent, where I do like a mind body connection thing because I know that massages connect me with my body. That's amazing. Um, so sometimes it's with a physio, and physios are great because they remind you that your mind and your body are connected, mm. and it's like, oh, you're feeling pain in this thing. What's going on with you? Are you stressed? What's going on in your life? <laughs> so physios are very nosy, and I love them for that actually. So. I will either have a massage scheduled with a physio or, you know, a kind of uh, a massage just um, in a general, in a spa sort of setting. Mm. So that is always for me, at least um, somewhere in the month, I will definitely make sure I have that. I will have um, books that I'm reading for the month and um, set aside time to be reading those. I will try. I mean, there's there's definitely um, friendship connections where... um, I'm making sure. So some friendship connections, I have like quarterly meetups. <laughs> I'm not even joking. <laughs> we will meet quarterly and we'll, you know, and that's the thing. It's like, yeah. okay, we meet, we're going to have a meal and we're going to speak about what has happened yes. in our, our yes. lives in the past couple of look, months. we're adults now, so we have yes. to eat. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, sometimes the time gets occupied by things, but I love being able to meet up with friends and do those things. So... That's one thing that I definitely do. But for me, I found more than anything, the journaling is 
incredibly important um i'm a person also who does pray i mean i i it's not necessarily with subscription to a particular religion, religion mm-hmm. but i do pray often i do spend time often thinking about people even that i've lost and my connection to them and how i connect to those i've lost mm-hmm. um and you know with some of us that's that's an ancestral connection yeah so i love that and i love learning about the different ways and practices that you can keep that up mm-hmm. so these are things that i do in my own uh personal life but yeah i also do try and even you know where if i'm in a space in my life where i have a partner and i speak to them about these things and um hopefully they also do keep me accountable to that to like okay well i mean i haven't seen you go to the gym this month i Mm. haven't seen you go and meet up with a friend uh, on on any weekend what's going on have you got Mm. something scheduled so for me the main thing is I try and think very holistically about what it is that I'm doing. It's not just work, but on a friendship level, on a spiritual level, on a mm. physical level, um, what are the things that I'm doing to make sure that I stay connected? I stay well and I stay well. That's the most important thing. I think like the, the whole conversation, the premise of the whole conversation is obviously, look, guys, we're not crazy. <laughs> Well, at least we don't know it yet if we are. <laughs> but the whole premise of the conversation is just about, first of all, are we aware that we're having inner voice conversations? Mm, mm. And if we are having them, are we using them in in an optimal way, right? That's going to benefit us. And we've also, I guess, ex- explored like how negative it can get because, mm. right, it's your own voice. And everyone knows that we are our biggest critics. And... Like, I think, like, we just definitely need to heal those parts or those those experiences that lead you to be super critical of yourself. Mm-hmm. And whether it's, like, just your circumstances of growing up and where you've come from and, like, just knowing that I can't go back to Kupigeni, mm-hmm. I can't go back to the specific mm-hmm. environment um, that drives you super hard to be really, like, almost like it's it's so painful how critical you are of yourself mm. because it almost is like you don't show yourself any love mm. and kindness and compassion you know um and all of that like whatever reasons everyone has because not every story is like a dire story um and not every reason is like super like traumatic mm. and there are very different reasons for why why we behave the way that we behave and that's absolutely okay i think like the whole premise of this conversation is like just to encourage everyone to really connect with your inner voice in a healthy way, you know, and to also ensure that you're living a life where you're well. Because that's the thing. It's like, I just don't believe, like, you know what? I'm not God and I don't know what God has had in store for many people. And I'm like, you know, and I'm sure, I'm sure that, that life is difficult because life is very difficult. And I, that is one thing that I do know is that life is not easy. But I also do know that there's joy and there's love and there's peace um, and there's wealth and there's an abundance. And abundance will look different for everyone in the same way that somebody's life, they will feel fulfilled by having a mansion and somebody else might have a four-bedroom house or a two-bedroom house and have that fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Everything is really unique to our DNA and what fills our heart with joy. And I think that's okay. 
as long as each person is pursuing what fills them with joy mm. and pursuing the life that makes sense to them and that gives them the peace, that gives them the safety, that gives them the comfort. And this is all inclusive of religion, of uh, whether you believe in ancestors, whether you believe in God, mm. or like whoever you believe your source to be, right? It's about, are you well? Mm. And like, are you taking the time to figure out how to be well if, I'm, if you're not? And don't wait until you're 55, 65, and like so much life has gone by and so many relationships are estranged and it feels like a mountain that you have to climb at that age. You know, you can just start now. Like literally, yeah. <laughs> at any given point, you can start right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. And I think that's the, that's the most important thing is you can always, you can always tap in even now and mm. figure out where that, uh, where you catch your inner voice, what, you know, the wave that you catch it at. <laughs> and just don't be judgmental. That's yeah. the thing. Like, I mean, obviously by nature, we're yeah. judgmental towards ourselves, but it's like, give yourself permission. I mean, I'm going to share this as we like kind of wrap up our conversation, but like this week, um, I'm going through like a very big transitional phase and it's like phase one of my transition because I'll have phase two. And so like, I know I always knew that there were kind of emotions that were going to come with it. Like psychologically I was prepared. I think the emotions are now like kind of catching up. Mm-hmm. And yesterday I remember messaging a friend of mine and I just said to her, I need to give myself permission to cry about the unfolding of my mm, life because sure. it's been difficult. And I'm a tough cookie, okay? And like I can keep like I can take it on the chin and keep going. And just because I have that ability doesn't mean that's the desire of my heart. Anybody who really knows me knows that like I'm like a super softy and I just want to be a princess and I just want to be <laughs> treated like an egg. Yes. You know? <laughs> but you better be careful because you know I can give it as good as I receive it. Yeah. You know? So yeah. I recognize my strength, but I want to live in my softness. And so just even that moment of like saying that out loud to somebody else was in turn giving myself permission. And in that moment, as I was texting that, I literally was like weeping. And I was allowing the emotions that were like kind of running through my body to come to the fore. And I gave myself permission. And I think, yes, we can be super critical of ourselves. But I'm just, I guess this is where I'm imploring the softer side of you that can look at the five-year-old you, the 10-year-old you. to just tap in and give yourself permission to really hear yourself, see yourself and hold the space for yourself for whatever it is that you need. You know, nothing is really prescribed and there's no formula. And even as we're talking, we're obviously talking about our own like life experience and from our own perspective. So just to always remember that is that like, I just guess we're no different than you, Yeah. you know, and we're all in it. And, you know, even me sharing my stories isn't sharing from like a pace of like complete healness or like healed. What is the word, girl? Healedness, healed. God, English is not my language. I don't know, like wholeness, I guess. I wholeness. Yeah. I mean, look, no, I don't want to say wholeness because I do think I'm whole, even though I'm healing. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, let's um, just let's be correct. Come yeah, on, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
So, okay, anyway, you guys will get what I'm trying to say. The point I'm trying to say here is I haven't necessarily arrived at a particular point. I've just had life experiences that I've chosen to face and I've chosen to um, be intentional in healing and be intentional in owning up to where I've fallen short in the process, but also being open to like feedback and then in the same breath, but also having the ability to sift through what feedback is actually meant for Mm. me, you know? Um, So, yeah. So like, I really just in all of it, give yourself the permission to be well, which means give yourself the permission to listen to yourself and to see yourself and to do whatever steps that you need. You know, we know that there are many options, journaling, therapy, massages, yoga, retreats, you know, whatever you need. I love that. I love that you said, you know, um, that you've said that there's so many different options and um, it, it, it really comes down to what works for you. Mm. And you can you can make it work for you. But I love that it's you know, you ultimately are getting to know yourself. And I think this is the most powerful relationship that you can ever, ever have. Yes. Ever. Yes. I think the relationship with yourself can go into um influencing every other relationship that comes into your life. It can go into confirming, disconfirming um, things that happen around you, but it can be incredibly powerful in, in the influence that it has. So I mm. love, I love what you said there. And yeah, I hope that this is a encouragement and encouragement for so many people to start listening to that inner voice, to start paying attention to mm. when is this actually awake? When, yay, when is this voice actually active? And have I been listening? And what can I do to start doing more of that? Mm. Um, and empowering, you know, these, these parts of myself that already do exist because I think it does exist. The capacity is within every single one of us. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here, for being you and holding space for me and for so many others that you do. 